Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed. You can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover everything from movies, games, television, pop culture, travel, entertainment, conventions, and more. You can catch us on the BJSJ's Geek Nation radio show. We put our simulcast up every Friday. And, of course, there is also Pinal Central, P-I-N-A-L Central.com, keyword skewed, where you can catch our game reviews. And last but not least, Skewed and Reviewed, the magazine. We just put out our recent issue, and we have Back for Blood on the cover. So I have literally, just a couple hours ago, got back from a trip uh, to do some coverage in California over the weekend. And Michael and Justin are here with us. And we are going to do a quick rundown of some of the week's uh, stories as well as a look ahead so let's start off with the week coming up that pax east is scheduled to begin online july 15th i have some pre-show interviews and stuff that we're doing for it traditionally pax east is just in what is it march or april traditionally when it's held yeah i think march some yeah you're right march or okay. april so we have uh the online version happening now and of course the in-person pax west is still scheduled for Labor Day weekend up in Seattle. And let's start off, and we'll go with you, Justin. What are your expectations for this? Yeah, so uh, as, we, as we've kind of spoken about in the past, PAX has sort of become, uh, especially PAX East, has kind of become a ground for um, a lot of indie titles. Um, it also, the few years that I went, it board games were also kind of a huge part of PAX, you know, not hugely talked about in uh, most circles, but, um, you know, a huge portion of the, of the, of the ground floor is dedicated to board games. Um, you know, that's much harder to do now that, um, things are mostly online, but, uh, you know, it, it, PAX East has, definitely shifted much of its focus towards kind of smaller indie titles um especially because of the time of year that it usually takes place uh it's just not super conducive for a huge game to to make a headline at pax usually um they save their their big reveals for e3 or around e3 um but uh indies can really kind of make a splash there so you know one of the years i was there um you know that's where they revealed tribes ascend which you know wasn't really like a triple a game but um it was still like you know a, a very high budget game um and you know there so it's it, it can be a good place for developers that are making a title that's somewhere in between like a triple a game and kind of just like a very low budget indie title so uh we'll kind of have to see i mean i, I would expect it's mostly going to be a, a pretty um uh, indie focused event so um, you know you, you could you could maybe see a game like aliens fire team there where it kind of fits it like in that niche between a, an indie uh, like you know a very uh, low budget indie title and uh, a higher budget triple-a game yeah very interesting and then Michael what are you thinking of yeah and I, no I agree I mean it's interesting that there's really not even a lot on the schedule yet which is interesting when we kind of think of the fact that it's, you know, starting on July 15th. So, you know, in a couple of days, uh, they haven't, seen, haven't had much of a schedule release yet, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, um, it, again, part of their, 
you know, part of their focus has always been kind of the indie. You know, they always have the indie showcase where they're trying to show off um, some of the the upcoming anticipated indie games. The they have you know the award winners for the indie showcase um, as well, which kind of feature some of those indie titles that are that are, are coming out or that are that are you know like have done well with the show. Uh, as as Justin mentioned, the board game piece, which you really can't do virtually, um, which which does kind of you know affect some of the draw i think for that um and and again i i think um like any other thing it's trying to identify where it wants to be you know is it, is it it's not trying to compete with e3 um you know we already have pax west that's coming up which tends to be a little bit more um big title focused so yeah i think it, it'll be a big focus on i think indie titles uh, as as usual i don't know that we'll have any real big reveals um from any of the big players but it's always good to kind of see what's on the market from the indie side and what's on the way and what's coming. Yeah. And that is the big question. I think what I'm most curious about is, it seems like there was kind of a little bit of a late start. Uh, there, They have uh, the show as free to all, but there is also the, um, what would you call it? Uh, a paid portion of it where if people want certain premium accesses or things that is a option for them and i think that with the fourth of july weekend last weekend and then also while this was being set up and finalized you had the registration and ticket sales start for uh pax west so i think they were you know essentially pulling double duty and as such i think that I know, as I said, I don't think I've given away anything by saying that we start our um, previews tomorrow. We've uh, we've had a, a few companies hit us up, and I've already had one like at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. We're doing our uh, online discussions and that sort of thing, and there's a few things scheduled for the week. And so I think that probably um, it seems like the only things we've seen so far seem to all come from one publicist, even though they're different indie companies. I think this week will be telling. I mean, obviously that's kind of an easy statement to make when the thing starts Thursday, but I would think if we get to Tuesday and we don't have a listing of companies taking part yet, then we can sit there and go, okay. But um, I, I think it, it's something I, I definitely hope that there will be something to it. I mean, I know we've all had to talk about tempering our expectations with E3 Online, tempering our expectations with um, some of the at-home panels and stuff, because obviously companies are not going to invest the kind of money that they do to show up and do these things live with the big booths and the elaborate sets and everything online. Some of them are holding back, some of them are choosing to do their own thing, and I think it'll be kind of the new normal uh, this summer until we start to see more and more in-person shows coming up. And I think that once you get to a situation where, wow, all our competition is there, maybe we need to be a part of it. Um, that's where it's really going to make a difference because right now it's, well, they're doing something online. We can do something online. And it, you know, it, it remains to be seen how this will all play out. And the, the trick I've always found is with PAX is when they did the main show online last year. PAX has always been a very accessible show. It's accessible to the media, but it's first and foremost accessible to the fans 
who don't get into a lot of these trade shows or only get in on a limited basis. And it's difficult to take something that is supposed to be an interactive event where you're up there seeing the item, playing the item, talking to the people, and watch a pre-recorded presentation. And so it's a very difficult thing to challenge over the media, just like we talked about with CES. You can't hold up a pair of headphones and say, boy, don't these look and sound great. People will come to me and say, well, the gaming companies do that all the time. And it's like, yeah, but it's a different thing. CES is an electronics first show, and it's you're there to try the product out. And so we'll go from there. Moving on, we have uh, some news that Disney's Jungle Cruise, as we know, the delayed film, uh, is finally going to make it out at the end of the month. And the other day we got news that the revamped Jungle Cruise is going to be opening July 16th at Disneyland in California. And this will include uh, newly enhanced scenes and more. We have some uh, B-roll on our social media. We've got some pictures on our social media on Facebook under our Disney Unlimited uh, category. So, Michael, what is your take on all this? Yeah, I mean, I think this is expected, right? I mean, we saw the same thing with Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, you know, when they when they released those movies and Jack Sparrow became kind of featured in that ride, um, a lot of folks, you know, it was kind of a, you know, they took some of the elements of the ride that everybody was familiar with, put it in the movie, and vice versa, right? They changed some of the things um, on the ride to, so they would feature more in the movie so there would be a, a, a more consistent approach between the movies and the ride itself. Uh, and I think the Jungle Cruise, I was on it uh, three years ago or so. And, and to be fair, I, I don't think it's changed at all um, since I was a kid. I think it's all been pretty much the same. The jokes are pretty much the same. Uh, the rides are pretty much the same, you know, maybe updated a bit. Um, so I think this will be kind of the biggest revamp of the ride probably since, since its inception. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's not unusual. I think it's expected whenever Disney releases a movie that's based on a ride that there's going to be some correlation between those two. You know, and, and again, it's not always a big thing. Uh, but they do want to kind of to feature uh, the the movie a little bit more predominantly on, in the ride that it's based on. Uh, so yeah, I think this will be a, you know again a fairly um, big change, at least from the ride perspective, on a ride that's been you know kind of a, a statement for the Disneyland uh, experience now for you know since I've been alive. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see the, you know those those changes, how that correlates with the movie. You know, I'm excited to see the movie itself as well, um, to see how all that uh, you know plays together. So yeah, I don't think it's an unexpected thing at all, and, and I think it was something we all saw coming uh, when they announced that a movie was going to be released based on the writing. Hey, Justin, your take, please. Yeah, I completely agree. The only thing I, I would maybe add to that uh, that's kind of notable is it just kind of goes to show again that things are mostly returning to normal. Um, where there's kind of like these um, these plans going back and forth between um, the the movie side and, and the park side, trying trying to do some kind of collaborative effort. Um, so it just kind of shows things are kind of returning to normal. Their uh, business is is as usual at Disney. This is kind of something that they've been doing for quite some time. So um, that that's also just somewhat notable. Yeah, the biggest thing is there was some controversy around it because like the Pirates of the Caribbean upgrades, there was some modernization where they attempted to um, 
eliminate imagery or scenarios that were considered offensive or not um, suitable in the modern society. And one of the uh, subjects that got a lot of attention was Trader Sam, the uh, as he had been portrayed as a headhunter. And there was people saying, you know, we need to make sure that the indigenous characters in the ride are not, excuse me, attraction are not seen in negative stereotypes. So there was some talk that, you know, certain characters uh, will be changed to make them less offensive, uh, more diverse. It's not just going to be the natives who are the butt of the jokes in the thing. There's going to be more. And, you know, some people, like they always do, There's that's always the trick with Disneyland especially, is that whenever there's an element of change, there's always going to be people that get really upset over this because they don't want anything uh, altered, especially from any of the attractions that were essentially put together while Walt himself was still alive. That being said, Walt himself had said that change is always going to be happening at the park. And so, you know, it, it reminds me of when we talked about how Splash Mountain was going to be getting a revamp to be more in line with the Princess and the Frog. You had everybody bent out of shape. Not everybody, but you had a you had a, a, a fair portion of people, and it's a similar thing. You know, you're going to have people that just want to complain for the sake of complaining, but when they go ahead and get a look at it, I think they're going to say, "Wow, you know, this <clears throat> they've done a good job with this. They've really upgraded it. They made it modern. The characters are sharper looking, and it'll be a fun new experience." It's like, for example, Michael, you'd mentioned you hadn't experienced a lot of change on it. Uh, they they did it a, a few times at California, and we actually got to go on it once, but it's more common now at the Florida park, I understand, where they do what's called the Jingle Cruise, and they retrofit some of the boats with holiday-themed name, uh, and then some of the uh, sets have Christmas-type decor around them. And that has been, that's really popular. They often run that for a couple months, so like you'll see in one of the overturned encampments uh christmas presents around the place and maybe the rhino's got a uh like a christmas star on its horn or something like that and, you know they that's been a fun little thing and so it, it's just kind of the way nature of the game if you change things up some people get very protective over the park and they want it to remain exactly the way it did when they were kids and they first experienced it and others are like okay i mean you know let's not forget there were people that were upset over the notion of um star wars being added into the park so go figure uh, another thing i wanted to mention so we have not scary farm has started hiring for not scary farm we're looking forward to them announcing the dates on that we're hoping to get some news this week but also uh universal studios announced that hill house from the popular netflix series will be one of the mazes for the upcoming halloween horror nights and this will also be at both universal orlando and universal studios hollywood and a lot of people were really excited about this because not just this is a great announcement it was essentially universal saying yes we are going to be back with our uh in-person halloween horror nights beginning September 3rd in Orlando and September 9th in Hollywood, running all the way through Halloween. We've already had SeaWorld talk about theirs. Disney has talked about their Halloween events, and we're just waiting for Knott's to give us their final 
uh, word, but we know something's coming because they've been posting ads online saying we're now hiring for Not Scary Farm. Um, Justin, your take on all this? No, I mean, yeah, it's great. Uh, like I was saying earlier, I think this is just another sign that things are returning to normal, which is a good thing. Um, so, yeah, definitely a lot of stuff to look forward to uh, towards the end of the year. And, Michael, your take, please. No, and I agree with Justin. I think um, one of the things we had been kind of speculating on was are we going to be at a point where folks will be comfortable going into mazes that are typically going to be, you know, filled with people. They don't have the large open areas and, you know, there's people jumping out at you and, and that sort of thing. And I think that does kind of show that the expectation um, as we get closer to the Halloween time is that, you know, things will be kind of more more or less back to normal. Obviously, things aren't going to be 100 um, percent anywhere we go, I don't think, by then. But I do, I do think that there's a lot of optimism that they'll be able to kind of get back into the the events that we're used to taking, you know, doing on at, you know, for Halloween and, and Christmas and that kind of thing. And that it does seem to be like that's kind of a. Uh, the notion going forward. So no, I think it is it is good that they're planning for this. I think um, we're in a position where that will be something that can go forward, and, and then hopefully you know it'll uh, it will get to experience it again like we had um, you know a couple of years ago. Yep, definitely. So another thing that's coming up that we definitely wanted to make sure that we um, covered was uh, San Diego Comic Con's Comic Con at Home is getting ready to be coming at the end of the month and we now have a schedule uh which highlights the various panels covering television covering comics covering pop culture special events and various movies uh, michael start with you what stood out to you at first well you know i i think there's as much as we don't see a lot of i think the um the big blockbuster kind of events that we typically see. We have to remember that they are still planning to do that thing in November, um, where I think that's going to be more of the featured um, presentations for a lot of these things. But, you know, things that, you know, I, I think we're, we're kind of used to seeing, and in some cases it's probably even better because uh, it does give people more of an opportunity to explore some of these panels that they probably were missing when they were trying to attend the full-blown um, star-studded panels. Um, so obviously there's, um, you know, a lot of focus on, on animation cartoons. Um, I noticed that they, there's the feed, the, you know, they talk about the, the new Looney Tunes types of cartoons. Um, obviously, uh, just some of the, the cosplay type panels. Um, there is going to be an Amazon panel, which will probably focus on some of the upcoming features that I know Amazon is working to, to, uh, to do. Um, comic book panels, of, of course, uh, and those types of things. So. Well, I, I, I would say it's a, a little disappointing for those who are looking for more of a star-studded uh, event uh, for the SEC online uh, piece. I, I think, again, it gives people a lot more of an opportunity to kind of explore what else is at SDCC. You know, we, everybody gets so focused on, on attending the big panels that a lot of these things kind of get missed. And, and I think it'll be a really good opportunity to, to spotlight some of these events, some of these these programs and some of these shows you know there is one you know blade runner black lotus that's going to be um gonna, is there um todd mcfarlane obviously uh, always does a, a pretty good um show i don't and whether or not he'll be there or not we get to see some of the the feature work that he does um some of the toys and and that kind of thing so no i think it's it's you know it's pretty it's been set there's quite a bit to see 
Uh, again, for those who are maybe disappointed that there aren't going to be more announcements, I think we are going to see probably more of those um, in the November show. Uh, but as far as the, the July show, I, I think it's a pretty good set of uh, diverse things that people can go and attend and, and see. And uh, Justin, your take, please. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, the things uh, Michael highlighted there, um, uh, I'm looking forward to knowing a little bit more. I'm a huge Blade Runner fan, of course, so seeing a little bit more Blade Runner, Black Lotus, the animated series, uh, I think that's one definitely one to highlight. Um, there's also going to be some panels on some of the Godzilla comics, um, some of the other kind of smaller um, comic book manufacturers, or uh, publishers, rather. Uh, there's going to be a panel on um, the new Star Wars uh, High Republic series, so that's also one to kind of look forward to. So, I mean, there is a lot of stuff there. Um, like Michael said, I mean, it, you kind of have to go in with the right expectations, and I think this is definitely... Um, you know, there's definitely going to be stuff there uh, for everybody to, to take a look at. And, you know, it's you don't have to uh, travel anywhere. This is uh, totally online. So that's also a, definitely a benefit. Yeah. And I think for me, what was really interesting is that, like Michael said, when you go there and you cover in person, you have a certain uh, expectation and a certain uh, flow and energy to it. It's difficult to capture that online, especially for a panel, uh, a show like this, because let's be honest, when these shows are put on, these are expensive shows. And so if it was so easy to go ahead and do shows like this, most people would go ahead and just run things online versus going through the risk. And I'm not talking about established conventions like Comic-Con and such. I'm referring to people who try to say, hey, I want to put on a show and go from there. There's a reason that they do these online, because you have to have an energy, you have to have an excitement at shows like this to really make it work. And we know that there is only so much you can do with pre-recorded uh, content. Now, you know, some people are saying, well, why isn't this show here and why isn't that show here? And so on and so forth you know i've heard people say what about this one and this one and that one and the, w the reason like for example i'll just come out and say it some people were saying well you know where is the star trek stuff where is the star trek stuff and my response to that is that my as michael said there's a november show that is potentially coming and oh yeah let's not forget august 11th through 15th creation has got their own star trek event going on in las vegas so how do we know you know what the grand plan for when we're going to see more on discovery when we're going to see more on picard when we're going to see star trek new worlds you know it's out there we'll see it when it's ready and that's the trick now if this was san diego comic-con in person you could say well there would be more incentive to do that and to get it there in front of the live audience but when it's online there's also the situation of control and by that as I mentioned last year Michael will tell you when they show these things in the convention hall if you're in Hall H you're looking at about 8300 people um, ballroom 20 say 55 5600 and it, it they go on with varying size but one of the number one rules is you cannot take any pictures or video of anything that is shown up on the screen in regards to trailer footage or episodes. You know, if they flash up a close up of a celebrity, go ahead, take your picture, that's fine. 
but if they're running a trailer or a sneak peek, you cannot record it because that is part of the excitement. It is for those people who are there, and then at a later time, it will be released to the general public. If you have something like this online, free to all, where millions of people can see it, you lose a lot of the incentive. You lose a lot of the power behind it in that those 5,500 people or however many it is generating all the hype and buzz on social media. It's just like essentially a trailer being released to the public in some regards. So you have to balance that out. And as you guys have said, this allows you to get a bigger deep dive at some of the things that are coming. And, you know, by that, I looked at it and said, well, I'm excited about, as you mentioned, Blade Runner Lotus. I'm excited that we're going to get to hear more about the Blade Runner comics. Uh, AMC has got their lineup of The Walking Dead shows, as well as some of their products on Shudder. Warner Brothers Animation has got Batman The Long Halloween Part 2. And you also have the next Mortal Kombat animated film. They always do a fantastic thing. Even though DC has got their own event, we still have something on Legends tomorrow. We're going to get a uh, sneak peek at the new Showtime Dexter series and find out more about that. And, you know, let's be honest, there might be more stuff that we still do not know about. And then sometimes in the middle of these panels, you find things out that you weren't quite expecting. So, and we still have time for various things to be added in and who knows how that will play out. So it'll be interesting to see what it is. And it's like I tell people, you can't argue with the price. Considering it's uh, four days of entertainment for free, there is something for everybody every single day. And as people last year, we had people who first looked at the schedule and, oh, I don't see this, I don't see that. Well, guess what? They went and tried things they otherwise wouldn't have paid attention to. And lo and behold, they became fans of some new genres. So, you know, that's the beauty of it. Well, guys, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, like I said, a little bit of a shorter show because I am in recovery mode getting back from the trip. But I wanted to make sure that we got this in. I want to make sure you all have a very healthy and safe week ahead. And until then, we'll talk to you next week. Take care.